Hello, and welcome to Supply Chain Next. I'm your host, Richard Donaldson. Join me as we explore the ongoing evolution of supply chain, from the challenges practitioners face every day to the ongoing digital transformation of the entire value network. And welcome to the next episode of Supply Chain Next. And uh, super excited here to have a, my guest, Umberto Olivio. Uh, Umberto, welcome to the program and uh, really glad to have you here today. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me and uh, really happy to, to talk about these uh, exciting times and interesting things going on. Well, and, and I, you know, I, I think people can tell from your accent, uh, <laughs> you, might, you might have some international flair in the background there, and then that contrasts with your uh, emblem of Innovation Texas. So um, <laughs> we'd love to just start with a little bit about yourself and kind of who you are and where you came from. Sure. Um, so again, uh, my name is Humberto. Um, I was born in, in, in Mexico City, mm-hmm. um, but I was, since um, I was a, a little kid, traveling all over the world with my parents. Uh, then long uh, fast forward, I, I went to study economics. Um, then I was in, living in, in Manchester in England, uh, where I got my uh, master in, in um, international finance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, professional life, I was uh, working for Citibank in, in New York. Mm-hmm. I was um, uh, for some re- years involved in investment banking. And then I went to the dark side, to the trading side of it. So I was head <laughs> of uh, trading in, in, in the New York desk and then for, for some years and then moved to Santander, mm-hmm. where I was head of, um, of investment banking at Santander. So I guess that gave me a really interesting perspective perspective on many industries and many uh, different changes at, at that moment. And you know, we're talking about uh, the 1990s, more or less. Um, and then I moved to Texas, to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I started uh, with a couple of partners, uh, a venture capital firm, private equity venture capital firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we started getting involved in, uh, you know, clean energy or renewable energy, uh, mainly solar, mm-hmm. uh, and then tech around the uh, energy and clean te- uh, clean energy. Uh, and then eventually, I was involved um, with some projects in Northern Europe around the same thing, energy mm-hmm. um, and technology, and uh, that took me to which is now clean tech and the circular economy and deep tech, which I think it's, um, it's really exciting. And this is, you know, something that's getting a lot of traction post COVID or as, as we get out of, of, of the pandemic. So. Absolutely. And let me, let me jump in on that one because I, I, I think it's a really interesting and as a former banker, investment banker myself, but you were in it a lot longer than I was, um, you know, you really kind of spanned the banking uh, spectrum from commercial to investment, you know, trading all in there, you know, in that looks like 15, 16, 17 year kind of time frame, which is, you know, a career unto itself. You know, did you ever envision yourself moving into clean tech and alternative energies or how did that happen? I mean, you don't, you know, that's not a transition and investments I get moving to private equity and venture capital. That's kind of the, you know, right. fairly, fairly typical, you know, uh, uh, cross pollination between bankers and VC and private equity. But then you went even further, and in the '90s, no less, which 
clean tech and all that stuff wasn't really nearly as popular as it is now. So walk through that. How did you go from banking to kind of get into investments and then into the, into the clean tech world? Well, when I got to Texas, to San Antonio, I started, um, well, we started this private equity venture capital firm. And for some reason, uh, we started getting, I guess, a couple of um, beaches around solar energy. And this is in the 90s? This is uh, 95-ish, more okay. or less. Okay. Um, which was, you know, really... Early. Yeah, super early. And, yeah. and I got really excited to, to, to see how that will eventually disrupt certain industries. Obviously, had no idea it was going to be that strong and that uh, big of a shift. Mm-hmm. So I started, you know, trying to learn a lot about the technologies and how solar could be... Um, or could start changing some of the industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we invested in a small startup that went uh, really bad. But it was a, a good, um, I, I would say, education uh, for me in terms of like, you know, renewable energy adoption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we kept investing in the traditional, you know, industries, health tech. That was when we got the um, shift towards electronic, um, you know, all the the electronic health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was always really close to, to solar mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and how that was evolving. And then you, you had the, the solar city uh, evolving in, in California and all that. Totally. And so I was always really close to, I would say, clean energy. Okay. And then... Uh, with some of the connections I have in, in Northern Europe, um, got into wind, and then Texas obviously started getting into wind mm-hmm. power. And I guess um, after wind power, you started seeing you know solar farms popping on up all over Texas, mm-hmm. and then it started to make sense. So it was mm-hmm. that's when at least I knew it was going to be. A really powerful thing. So I started getting more and more involved, mm-hmm. um, both in you know investing, learning uh, the technology around that. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you have the the technology around, say, the solar panel, for example. But how does that connect to the whole grid? And then mm-hmm. that's when you know we started talking about the smart grid and how will that change the whole system. And next, you know, you know, it's two thousand. Uh, 18. <laughs> right. We're working uh, a lot on, on, on clean energy, clean tech, uh, uh, the, the smart grid, and all the mm-hmm. new technologies like you know AI, blockchain. How is that getting into the decentralized grid? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and 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 building on that. So, you know, and, and sort of recapping a little bit. So kind of your initial pull into kind of the clean tech world was solar, which by the way, mirrors, I think where most people have been playing for a long time is in solar, you know, go back to the eighties and the nineties. And really the only things that people had in front of them was solar energy being people have been playing with that for a while. Cause that goes back decades. Yep. Wind energy has been there for a long time. Again, going back decades, kind of your usual suspects, right? You know, solar and wind, let's say, but then you know, as you sort of remark here, is that was still early, very, very early days. Um, and then you started to see a proliferation of not, you know, a re-emergence or resurgence of solar and wind 
with now the economics behind it and the business models behind them to actually make sense. Where early on, it was a little bit more feel good, but the business models quite, weren't quite there. The margins weren't quite there. Something right. shifted in kind of the later 2000s. Now, I would tie it, I personally would tie it to the rise of a lot of the data center movement and infrastructure movement in internet, because those people were at the vanguard, this is my former life, but those people, you know, Google and Microsoft were looking at renewables very early on because of the energy consumptions in data centers. They really forced, they started spending money. Therefore, these companies could make money doing solar. That doesn't mean they weren't building on their own. Um, And I'm not saying that's the only reason. But from your perspective, what changed somewhere in there? What changed in the 2000s? Like something happened where all of a sudden now solar and wind were no longer, they actually were economically viable, real businesses were emerging. But then that sort of gave birth to this, you know, now there's a whole ton of stuff. You know, now you can't go any, there's tons of business models with all sorts of really cool alternative energies, but it you know, kind of the grandfathers were solar and wind, and then that sort of gave way to a, a wider uh, uh, aperture for or appetite for more, more renewables. Right. Yeah, I, I remember for, it was 2005, I was in San Antonio, and I got this, you know, CPS Energy, which is the largest municipality-owned um, utility in, in the U.S. So I got this in the mail saying, well, would you like to, you know, shift to clean energy, to renewable mm-hmm. energy. That was the, the term was renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And you could uh, say, okay, I want, you know, X percentage of, of my bill or, you know, renewable. And I was like, well, that sounds really cool. And obviously that will lower my cost of energy. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, the next month it was twice as, <laughs> as much. Right, right. I was like, no, right. I, don't, I don't want to feel that good. So I just... Uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> let's let's get back to um, traditional energy, um, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> it was still you know um, expensive. So yeah. you're talking about solar panels were expensive. Uh, the technology was not there yet, and I think right. what changed is well many things. Technology became uh, cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Then China was the big thing. So China yep. started investing a ton of money for, um, especially for solar. So the, the technology and like the solar panels became really cheap. Right. Then um, you know the technology was was there. Uh, so it started. You know you could see the drop in, in pricing for for clean energy. And then I, I guess it got mainstream. Uh, right. There was a, a feeling of um, I guess after the the crisis two thousand eight two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. People wanted to feel good, so let's yeah. do you know this greedy, uh, greed economics. Let's do something good, and I, I guess that's if you add technology, um, lower prices, uh, a big boost in China, mm-hmm. and I want to feel good. Um, that's when it started to get traction. I see. And then you see Europe with lots of investments, especially for example Denmark with mm-hmm. wind. So Denmark is you know, the powerhouse for wind uh, turbines or producer of wind turbines. Um, and I think the U.S. started to little by little get into that. And, you know, I never thought Texas would be the powerhouse for clean energy in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> right. So oil and gas, and, and then you are, you know, Texas is the number one producer on, you know, wind energy, mm-hmm. and the second producer on solar uh, mm-hmm. behind California. So it's, you know, you have both worlds. 
And it's interesting to see also the transition uh, around, you know, the, the traditional energy, which now they call themselves energy companies, not oil and gas anymore. So they are energy companies trying to, you know, do some transition, some part of their trans, um, business transitioning to clean energy. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so again, somewhere in sort of the later 2000s, when we get into the 2010s and sort of this, you know, the first decade, I guess, of the 2000s, right? Yeah. You, you began to see this you know, big proliferation of consumer-related solar, not so much wind, that's always been around. Yeah. That started giving the economics, you know, uh, a little bit more of a boost to allow for more development, proliferation, whatever. But then also enterprises started getting into it, right, led by the sort of data center industry. So you had this sort of concurrent effect of both consumer and enterprise kind of coming yeah. together. Yeah. You know, the Internet was kind of driving that. Then all of a sudden that, you know, again, money begets money, right? So all of a sudden it's like now we can start getting into this. So now there's wind and, you know, uh, ocean and, I mean, you know, all, all sorts of other, you know, cool battery technologies and storage. And, you know, we get to where we are today and I'll come to that when we get there. But there's this sort of other thing where it just started from an investment standpoint, like because you're also leading the way from an investing standpoint. When did you start seeing companies start to make more sense, or you know what companies were making sense around that time frame, late, late that first decade into the second decade of 2000, from an investing standpoint? Like solar started making sense, wind started making sense, anything you know, batteries probably around that time frame. Anything else that you saw that was sort of you know about 10 15 you know we'll call it 12 years ago that, that yeah, you, but, yeah batteries were not there yet that was okay. one of the big issues no so you had you know uh, lower costs on solar panels and the technology but the issue was you know how do you storage the energy so right. it was not there yet um i guess you know some of the northern european companies started to make a big shift uh, Orsted, for example, from being a hundred percent oil uh, company, now it's a hundred percent clean uh, renewable energy company. So you start. I, I guess it was Europe, you know, the, at the forefront of the of the movement, mm -hmm. um, and then you know America started getting into a bit of the trend, but I guess then is when you start looking at new business models, right? Right, right. And I guess one of the uh, interesting push to to get it more consumer or mainstream were the utilities. So you mm -hmm. would be, in the case that I'm really close to, CPS Energy started, again, getting into renewable energy, solar wind, um, even though it was not as cheap my experience right. was, it was more expensive, but but they were already testing. Okay, this is going to be, you know, uh, something in the near mm -hmm. future. So they started investing a lot uh, into renewable energy, mm -hmm. um, and then I guess the um, moving fast forward, the movement started um, in you know the Nordics with you know, the Greta Thunberg uh, of the world uh, and this big movement of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Generation Z uh, mm -hmm. activists. Mm -hmm. um, it, I, it, one time I was in, in Norway and, you know, they, they do the, the Friday strike, right? The, right. The strike for the climate. And I was, you know, Greta is from Sweden, but it was all over the, the world every Friday. So it was Friday. 
I went to the square in Norway and I thought, you know, maybe 20 kids uh, protesting. And mm -hmm. it was close to 3,000. Wow. So it was amazing. And you had the parents, the two-year-olds, the 15-year-olds. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a real movement. I would mm -hmm. say it's a real movement. So I, mm -hmm. I guess that also started, you know, the ESG in line with the ESG movement, corporate ESG. Right. Where in the past, it was corporate social responsibility and sustainability, whatever mm -hmm. that meant. Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, well, a lot, you know, greenwashing and just putting a stamp, a green stamp there. It was like, okay, I'm doing good. Right. Then you start getting the technology and the metrics. Yes. So it was not as easy to be green or sustainable. You needed, you know, the beginning some metrics. And what? And just, just because I want to double click and not let that go go to waste, because I think that's where you really start to see the measurability, which yeah. in turn, where I think you're headed as well, is you know once you start measuring and publishing that data. Then all of a sudden, everyone starts getting into it, and then there's some competition. Market forces start happening, right? Yeah. So what initially were the measurable aspects of enterprise or consumer, you know, we'll call it sustainability? What started that? Like, for instance, I can look at the data center industry and say PUE was a metric that was invented that sort of gave rise to efficiency, energy efficiencies in data centers. Was there well, something that you yeah. saw? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, on, on, on my side, and, and having been in, in the, um, you know, investment banking and trading uh, financial trading, uh, I started looking at the green bond market. So the green okay. bond started, you know, um, you know, the, well, it's, it's way back, but it started getting traction in 2000-ish, uh, early 2000. Uh -huh. And, um, uh, you know, there was a lot of, around the stock exchanges, right? The New York right. Stock Exchange and the European, uh, the London Stock Exchange and all that. Um, trying to put or trying to make the green bond market grow. Right. And uh, nobody cared about the green market. So you had, you know, a couple of um, issues of, of green bonds, and then it started evolving in terms of, like, um, how do you measure the greenness of a bond, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. so you right. The third party, not – it can't be the stock exchange or the issuer. Um, you need third parties. So I guess that started – a different uh, niche business model. And then mm -hmm. that's where, for example, Moody's and all these rating agencies started to do the green bond, um, you know, check or approval or certification. And, and, uh, and sorry, just, just for clarification, because I, I'm not sure everyone maybe knows about a green bond or when that happened, but can you just give a quick high-level overview? I mean, a green bond, you know, a bond was, you know, is money invested to do X. Right. Well, a green bond started with um, you know some sort of uh, project mm -hmm. tied to what I call green. Again, right. it was like sustainability, something that's out there, not right. really uh, measurable, right. well, not that that straightforward. Right. Right. So that's how it started. But it was like, for example, if we're doing, you know, something that's around the the ocean, right? So mm -hmm. it's. Um, sustainable project or sustainable bridge or sustainable port, meaning you're using certain types of materials or, I mean, it was really loose, the definition of green or sustainable. Okay. But you will get that type of definition and then tie it to your bond, a traditional, you know, it could be corporate bond or municipal bond or government bond. And you will put that green component or sustainable mm -hmm. component mm -hmm. and then 
in theory, it will lower your cost of capital because it's something good, right? Right. Uh, it was not really like that because it was the same thing until right. you started measuring, okay, what do you mean by green or sustainable, right? Right. right. And that started evolving when you start getting metrics. Okay, how, what do you mean by green, right? Right. Now it's, for example, now we'll get to the circular economy. It's, it's more measurable because it's, you know, you start getting this sustainability, green, and then you, you lower it to the point where you can really touch it or measure mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start, you know, the market started evolving. You got uh, entities that will uh, measure your greenness or your mm-hmm. sustainability. And then the bonds or the green bonds will have a lower cost of capital. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and it n- didn't get traction uh, mm-hmm. until, you know, a couple of years ago when you have this new wave of uh, ESG, environment, social, corporate governance, corporate right. responsibility, right. Uh, a lot to do with the SDGs uh, 2015 when, you know, they started with... Um, getting a lot of attention with the, the Paris Accord and the mm-hmm. SDGs. And I guess that's when corporations started really, okay, we really need to get our act together. Mm-hmm. And this is a real crisis. So mm-hmm. that's when you see, I would say, the, the new wave of environment, social, corporate responsibility in a way you can measure it. Right, right, and 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 let me let me come back to that one too. So, because you make another comment where all of a sudden, you know, it's, we've been talking about. My goodness, I mean, I go back to even, and I'll date myself here as a kid in the seventies. You know, thinking about when, when in the United States, you know, people used to throw their trash out the windows. You know, you'd go to McDonald's. I mean, literally, like I, I mean, you, can, you explain that to kids today, and they can't even fathom that. I, I, I barely can remember. You know, remember it? It just seems so foreign now. Like you literally would see people throw a bag of McDonald's out the window on the side of the highway or the road, and like that was okay. Yeah. Clearly, that stopped. It took years to kind of get there, and thankfully, we're now socially kind of engineered to <laughs> kind of be, re- you know, revolted <laughs> uh, at that, right? Which is awesome, but it took a while. So smoking. Well, right. Smoke, same, no, same, same, same thing, or at least at least get away from the fact that smoking, you know, God forbid, when they said it was good for you, got in an airplane or a restaurant where you don't have a choice, right? Like, you know, go ahead and smoke outside if you want, but geez, you know, let's let's not do it in where you're surrounded with everybody in a hot box. Um, but what is it with the enterprises? And I'm just kind of fascinated because I think this is where this opens up to where we are in modern day. All of a sudden, measurability gave validity. To the movement of sustainability, it gave validity to I, I can actually see what I'm doing now. It's not some arbitrary. I just put a million dollars into a bond. I don't know what that does. I don't know how. And and so so one, I think 100. percent But then, what is it now that's real that you're pointing to both as an investor and certainly an uh, an expert and advocate in the space? What's happening now that's that people can see that's tangible, right? That you know, and, and I'm not asking quite, There's two parts of the question. One is, I think the answer, and I'm going to pre pre answer this, is carbon math or carbon accounting, because people are very focused on that right now as sort of the thing to measure and the thing that we're fighting against. Mm-hmm. So that's one. You know, is that is that become more real now with carbon math and carbon accounting, and therefore you know we can actually now tie it to certain things. But my secondary question on that one is, is carbon the only thing from a sustainability standpoint that we should be focused on? Because I think 
if I'm honest about the discussion, there's still some debate on carbon and its effectiveness and, you know, but, but we're all in, it seems like everyone's talking about carbon right now, but I want to make sure that we also have the, 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 the open conversation around is there's probably 50 other things we could be doing to achieve sustainability or harmony with the environment. Are we also talking about those? Or are we only so blinded by carbon accounting right now that we're not looking at all these other things? No, I think, um, you know, in the past, corporations were talking about corporate social responsibility, which was, right. uh, you know, I can make money regardless of how I make money. But at the end of the day, I will, uh, you know, give to my favorite charity. So yep. that was what they were doing, right? Yep. I think there was a big uh, shift on consumer awareness. And a lot of that has to do with technology, social media, internet, etc. Yeah. Eventually got like to the where we are now. It's not corporate social responsibility, but is more what they call ESG, environment, mm-hmm. social, corporate governance, which means it's not uh, giving to charity after the fact, but how do you make your money? Right. So it's all the way to how do you treat your employees? How mm-hmm. do you make money and that's another topic, the supply chain, no? Mm-hmm, are you mm-hmm. using kids in, you know, faraway countries or yep. uh, are you polluting, not in the U.S., but you don't care if you pollute in, you know, Mexico or Chile or whatever. Right. Right. So I guess the awareness, the shift on the consumer uh, mm-hmm. and awareness, thanks to a lot of social media, made the corporations, okay, we need to be real and mm-hmm. To be real, you need to measure, track, and then present, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it was not only I do good at the end of the day, regardless of how I made money. I need to present and be transparent on how I'm making money. That right. means how I make my products, how do I sell, is it real? Um, what's the transparency around corporate governance for my company? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's when it started to to gain a lot of traction. And then you see, you know, big private equity firms like uh, BlackRock, for example, Larry Flame, saying, hey, we need to, to really make an impact and we need to measure and we will start investing in those companies that can show us, you know, their mm-hmm. ESG component, right? So that started a big uh, ball of snow, I guess, into the corporate world. Yep. Um, then again, the SDG goals and the UN and the big, you know, the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. Then you have all these coalitions of either environment or environment, social, corporate governance, or um, and then of course technology. Print, right. Right. You have the data. You can measure. Right. Uh, right. Uh, and so with that, with that, and let me let me double. And that's a really interesting point. I want I don't want to over overlook this as well. I think you've made something uh, incredibly insightful comment, which is. Ironically, it, it really was the transparency that was brought to enterprises, and I think, as you said, how they made money. That that before never happened. We didn't see that company X, Y, and Z was you know, strip mining in a certain corner of the world, which before the internet, they could you know not say that, <laughs> so no one knew that that was happening. Yeah. But now that that's all, you know, everything's on display right now. That spotlight has almost forced you know a reconciliation within the companies themselves mm-hmm. to have to go oh gosh we can't be doing this anymore or we can't turn a blind eye to it anymore like we're being held accountable for how we make money right and that's as important to now consumers 
in who they buy from as the product itself, arguably. Exactly. And look, you have many examples of that, like, for example, right. Volkswagen. Over yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> uh, the big uh, problem they got, you know, with the um, emissions and the cheating. Yeah. Oh. Right. And right. you have a ton of uh, cases like that mm-hmm. where now you have social media, you have, you know, the, the consumer is mm-hmm. aware, is paying attention. So you as a corporation, you know, they started shifting to more transparency because, not because they wanted, mm-hmm. they had to. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. It's, a, it's a fair point too. It's the enterprises enterprises tend to be a little bit. You got to drag them a little bit sometimes, right? They they aren't proactively doing certain things, especially in the path towards profitability. Uh, yeah. But now you're shifting their DNA a little bit. So, uh, and this I was going to circle back uh, to another question, which is: so this transparency, this accountability, this visibility, which is new, that's driven by technology and the internet, right? So that's that's a brand new thing that didn't happen before. So that's driving, you know, this, this behavioral change now, which is, we've been talking about for decades, but now it's happening. Let me go back to, again, the goal of sustainability and, you know, things that companies are choosing to do because we get back to this, well, what does it mean to be sustainable? What What is my end goal? I, you know, as a product person, I always like to think about what's the problem we're really trying to solve? And that's when I... I you know, I, and I'm really interested to hear your opinion on this one. Like, if I if I ask you to define what is our human being, species, or cor- you know, global corporate objective in sustainability, what is that? Well, I would say to you know, good do do good to the planet and uh-huh. do good to the communities you're doing business in or with. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and I think one of the um, Interesting things for for corporations is, um, you know, once once you you start getting the the push from the consumer, mm-hmm. you need to change. You need yeah. to if you want to stay in business. And and one interesting thing happened. It used to be either you are sustainable or or good in terms of how you make your products, how you treat your employees, and how you manage your company, mm-hmm. or you're profitable. So right. it's like a either or. Totally. And all of a sudden you start realizing that it's not either or, but rather the more sustainable and, you know, uh, social and transparent or uh, good practices made your company more profitable. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big shift uh, mm-hmm. to the mindset of the, at least the CEO or the board mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Where people say, well, it's not a cost. It's actually, you know, investing in making a more profitable company. So I think it, mm-hmm. it, it was more business-oriented and profit-oriented rather than let's do good. I'm yep. not saying there are not uh, CEOs that want to do good, but it's uh, basically a, an economic... Uh, well, I think, that's, I think you, you hit on something again here, very insightful, which is, you know, previously or however long ago you want to say, it was seemingly a binary or mutually exclusive decision. I can either be you know, or binary in the sense that I can either be profitable or I can be sustainable, right? Somewhere in the last decade or 15 years, that's changed, right? You don't have to choose. You can actually lead with sustainability and that actually increases profits. And we're going to come, because I think this is where we get into circular and some of the other things that are out there that are easy to do, but I also don't want to leave, leave this sustainability at a high level, right? You know, this is where I get into looking at like, 
we know, for example, we know we pull out a hundred and I think it's four or five gigatons of stuff from the earth every year, right? Yep. And, and, and almost split between biomass and, you know, mined minerals and things like steel and copper to, to produce all the stuff that we produce. Yep. But then 8% of that is circular, right? So we're only recirculating 8% of this stuff, right? Which is like, well, how come we're not at 50% or 60% or even 30% for God's sakes, right? Like there's so much waste and excess out there. And that's very tangible and real. And it's going to bring you back to circular. But then concurrent to that is also this measurement of carbon. Like, like again, that seems to also be very hot right now. You know, no pun intended. Or maybe there is a little pun in there. Um, in the sense that, you know, people are thinking about, you know, retained carbon and carbon math and carbon calculations. You know, what's the carbon that goes into this building? What's the carbon that goes into this, you know, steel girder or pipe or whatever? Um, and so my question with that one is, and I, I don't, this is where I don't know enough in these sort of sustainability circles. I get it in the sense that that's very popular right now, but is that, you know, circular to me, you know, not pulling things out of the ground, that feels simply, you know, quite, that, that's about sustainability to me. I don't want to consume more. I want to reuse a bunch, right? I don't, I don't even care about carbon at that point. But then carbon happens to be another thing that everyone's really hot on right now. And I'm wondering, is that, you know, sort of circular, sometimes circularity falls below carbon accounting in my conversations with people. And I'm kind of like, well, okay, I, I get it, but is carbon, carbon seems still a little bit academic to me, whereas circularity is real. Like it, it, yeah. it, it enables you to make more money. It's, it's, it's more tangible. Maybe it's not as sexy as carbon math or something, but <laughs> it has more practic practical use cases. So I'm just kind of wondering, one, what you think about that. Two, why you know everyone's so focused on carbon. And three, do you hear or see anything else that's sort of emerging as another category of that helps us get towards sustainability? Well, one thing uh, that's changed the whole game is, is obviously technology. Right. So technology is being the, the enabler and the driving force to all this, um, you know, circularity, one. Uh, and, and I see circularity as, as part of the big picture. So circularity is, is not, you know, the whole sustainability uh, Mm -hmm. you know, umbrella is is part. It's a big part of it. Right. But I think um, right now with the technology and well, the new technologies we have, you see a lot around carbon. For example, carbon capture. And totally. For, for example, Canada is leading with carbon capture mm -hmm. uh, and storage. So now you have the technology where you can you obviously measure. Mm -hmm. uh, you can cut your carbon emissions, but mm -hmm. you can also capture your carbon emissions mm -hmm. and you can storage your carbon emissions. Right. And you can use that carbon as fuel for different uh, other industries right now. Right. So, uh, and it's, it's interesting that, for example, Canada started doing that or leading that in Calgary or in mm -hmm. the, the oil and gas uh, region of, of Canada. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot, for example, uh, starting to happen in Texas, mm -hmm. oil and gas, right? right. So I guess uh, another thing that started happening in you know, the past is deep tech, which mm -hmm. deep tech is basically, um, you know, the, the use of uh, science, rich research and development, and, and many other technologies. So it's mm -hmm. bits and atoms, right? Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. not, for example, just a, a new digital platform or right. an app. Right? right, but rather, for example, what Tesla is doing, what SpaceX is doing. So, mm -hmm. where you have the physical uh, advancements or physical innovation, 
along with the tech or digital uh, component. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's also uh, problem focused. Right. So deep tech is problem focused and technology uh, enabled, but it's not technology driven. It's problem driven, right? Uh, right? So right. that's what you have. Right. And, and, and so, so, so in that, sorry to touch up because I think this is also important. And this is where that deep tech that you're talking about is kind of another way to look at how this technology, you know, this transparency, like this deep tech allows us to get deeper into some of these kind of supply chain, where things are coming from, how things are affecting the earth, you know, AI, machine learning, whatever you want to throw that deep tech at, it may spit out some ideas that we haven't even thought of because now we can all, you know, there's autonomy within the technology itself to actually go (laughs) tackle some of these problems. Right. Right. Well, you know, you know, a traditional, uh, industry, for example, now that we're talking about the infrastructure plan or the jobs plan, let's sure. call, sure. um, you will think, you know, the traditional infrastructure, which is roads, bridges, ports, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now with, you know, the new technologies, you're talking about how can we design this new infrastructure, for example, for EVs, right? Right, right. So you need the technology component or the digital component for this traditional infrastructure. So mm-hmm. at the end of the na- day, you need a hybrid infrastructure that has the digital component and the physical mm-hmm. component because everything is evolving. How are we going mm-hmm. to deal with, um, you know, freight EVs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or autonomous freight uh, trucks or mm-hmm. uh, cars. Right, know. right. Well, well, and so let me, let me, again, kind of this brings us then into the circularity. So now kind of looking at where we are today and sort of the hot things that you're seeing, I mean, clearly sustainability is a high-level topic. Of course, we touched that. Um, circularity, I want to come to that in a second. Carbon accounting seems to be concurrent to circularity, right? I mean, because circularity, you know, we know what that is. But carbon accounting is very hot as well to just measure the carbon footprint, right, since that's now um, – you know, for better or for worse is, you know, that's, we measure that. We know if we reduce carbon, there's, you know, commensurate effect in greenhouse gases and heat, retained heat and yada, yada, yada that goes with it. Um, Anything else that you're also seeing kind of in that spectrum that's coming up now to tackle this problem of sustainability? Because those two are pretty, one attacks the reuse of everything. The other one is attacking specifically the carbon and carbon emissions. But what else are we talking about to become sustainable? Well, I think you touched on one really interesting point. Carbon, for example, it used to be, again, like the big players, right? We started talking about the green bonds or the carbon credits. And so it was for the big organizations. And now you have another really interesting wave of disruption in the financial system. For example, Mm -hmm. fintech, right? Mm -hmm. You have all these fintech firms that, you know, it's a wide, really big um, system because you have payments, insurance, risk management, asset management, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, but basically with fintech, you make the financial services or the financial industry that was only uh, accessible to big players, you, you let that go mainstream. So mm-hmm. I guess when, when you go mainstream and there's a behavioral shift on the consumer and then it's like, for example, Bitcoin or crypto, right? Yep. If I can play in that industry or in that uh, game, mm-hmm. me as an individual, mm-hmm. um, maybe fintech can also help with carbon markets or carbon mm-hmm. credits or carbon trading mm-hmm. for the masses. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it, there's a huge opportunity for fintech firms to tap into the carbon market. Got it. And so just to double click on that for a second, because this carbon markets and carbon, well, carbon accounting leading to carbon markets and carbon trading, though, because you got to have accurate carbon math, right, before you even get to the trading. But that's also then one of the things that's sort of being, yeah, and, but it's coming back, right? It's in vogue. Like it's carbon, like you said, green bonds, greenwashing, carbon markets, carbon offsets. I mean, they've been around for 20 years. But, but there's something different. Yeah, yeah. Stand, standards. Right. So when you can measure right. and you can standardize something, yep. that's when you can start making markets out. Right, right. And so are you then also kind of looking forward now, say over the next three, four, five, six years, I mean, Clearly, supply chains are kind of at the root of all of this, right? Because what are we talking about? If we're talking about any of these assets, it's in the supply chain. So the supply chains have to be tuned to start to measure these things. Exactly. And we're at the very early stages of that. I mean, the supply chains themselves are just, as we know, just getting digitized. As they're being digitized, it's sort of like, oh, well, let's start measuring you know, carbon and retained carbon from the moment that it's pulled out of the ground to its refinement, to its manufacturing, to its shipment and logistics, to its usage, to its you know, decommissioning um, you know, into circularity. Uh, you know, so that's that, that, that now kind of you know, pushing that a little bit forward, though, um, you know, what else are you seeing in the horizon here? You know, and that that could be enough. That that could be plenty, right? That, that that's going to change. You know, kind of make this more rapid, right? I mean, you're seeing new markets show up. You know, from an investor standpoint, are you seeing new business plans that are really kind of harnessing this stuff? You know, because it's not easy. I mean, doing carbon calculations is not easy yet. Yeah. Well, again, I think you get back to standardizing right. uh, how you measure whatever you want to measure, right? Right. So carbon, for example. Uh, I was um, in a conference around cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and one of the questions was like, okay, yeah, we can do all this, but is it really uses a lot of energy, right? Mining and all that. Well, I don't know. Uh, and I, that was love, of, I love this question. It's one of my favorite questions. I, I don't know if it uses a lot of energy because, for example, if you look at a loan from a bank, how much energy is you know used in creating that loan. I don't know, and I don't think there's a, maybe there's a study around that, but we don't measure, for example, how much energy is using the back office and right. the commercial side of the bank and the, all these things that you don't have in, you know, DeFi or blockchain or crypto. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, you know, in order to compare that, you need to measure it. Correct. So I think we're getting more and more and more measures, more standards, and that lets you, you know, say, okay, this is the opportunity. Here are the opportunities. Here are the new markets. Mm-hmm. Because now we're talking about the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think then, well, actually, it's an interesting question then that's, that's inherent in that. Do you see energy calculations as a, you know, like when I look at my um, food labels now, everything has a caloric count yeah. and how many servings. And that took a while for the FDA to implement that because you didn't used to have that, right? I didn't know that there was all these ingredients and I didn't know these calorie counts. And now every menu has to have calorie. I mean, I remember that was controversial 20 years ago, right? Now it's like you expect that. I, I want to know what the calories are of what I'm putting into my body. Yeah. Do you then foresee energy calculations and carbon calculations? But energy seems a little bit more generic, you know, and, you know, how much energy it takes to produce this good as a part of the kind of label that goes with the asset or the thing that you're consuming, whether it's a loan or a hard product. 
I would say more than energy is what type of energy. Right, right. We have that. For example, in the European Union, you have all these standards and you have to say, okay, how much of this came from renewable energy? Correct. And and also, for example, on certain products, uh, you need to disclose how much of that is recycled or from new materials or used materials. So, Right. I think there's some... We are going to see more and more and more of those disclosures because now you can measure it and you have the technology to measure that, right? Correct, correct. Um, And it's all about transparency and then going back to uh, supply chain, I think supply chain is all about transparency. Correct. Right? And and measurability and traceability. Totally. Totally. And now we have the technology to do that. I mean, you have things like digital twins where you can, okay, play with your digital supply chain and see totally. what the impact is going to be. Right, right. So are you, so on, on, on that, and it's kind of you're looking at that, so energy, and you're absolutely correct, and again, going back, there's, there's, there's one measure, which is the amount of energy used to produce something, right, which is interesting. But then you also concurrently have to ask, well, what type of energy are you using? Because I could be using, you know, a ton of energy to produce something, but if it's all renewable... Hey, okay, we're good, yeah. right? Um, but I still might look at the energy consumption to produce yeah. something and go, I could optimize that because cu- those are somewhat mutually exclusive. Yeah. But then and, we get in, yeah, go ahead. Make a yeah. point, for example, yeah. when you look at the Bitcoin miners or Correct. these guys, those guys are the first um, invested in having clean energy or renewable energy. To totally, totally. So they are the ones pushing also the boundaries or, or should be pushing the boundaries to be more... Uh, renewable energy in, for the data centers, for example. You know Ab- that part. Ab- absolutely. This is where, again, I think I, 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 we could have an, an entire egg segment on Bitcoin mining and the misperceptions around energy consumed, you know, and how it's consumed, because it, it is, it is. I'm with you. I mean, you know, if I take a look at a dollar bill or a quarter and the amount of energy cons- you know, used to produce yeah. that dollar, store that dollar, transport that dollar, I mean, and, and then even recycle that dollar because even in the U.S., I don't think people realize is our circulation's you know yeah. redone almost every seven years. Exactly. Whereas I mine one Bitcoin, my energy pretty much is done at that point. You know, it's it's you know it's a one-time thing to produce that coin, and then it's almost net it's almost zero <laughs> to trade that thing. Uh, so the life cycle of a crypto uh, whatever currency is, uh, well, anyway, we can get into it, but I I, I think infinitely more efficient than, than anything paper-based or metal-based. Um, but let me come back to, you know, now circularity, because this is, again, where you've got, okay, enterprises getting into it. They want the accounting. They want the transparency. Energy consumed. Got it. Carbon math. Okay, let's add that in. But then we get back to circularity. And it's like, this is another one that I don't even need to know the energy. I don't even need to know the carbon. Why are more companies embracing circularity? Or is that another trend that you're starting to see kind of change a little bit too, right? Because that seems to me like, I don't even need to know this carbon and all this other stuff. If I'm doing more circular, I mean, it's just good for everybody. And by the way, I'm also being a lot more profitable. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's it's not, they were asking me that, is, is this, you know, a fate is going to fade away? I don't right. think so. Uh, I think right. circularity is an economic and financial and business case. So yeah. there's a, a business case for, for circularity. I think in the case of the U.S., Mm-hmm. Uh, or let me go back. In the case of Europe, it started with historically, you know, more dense cities, uh, scarcity of resources, the mm-hmm. war, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And so they're 
more aware in terms of uh, use of resources or materials. On mm -hmm. Whereas in the U.S., you know, it's a huge country. We never thought we will run out of anything. Not in Texas, right? Right, right. Um, but then it started making business sense. It's not only let's take care of our in Europe, no, our resources, but it also it could also be a profitable, uh, you know, venture, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess once you start seeing that, it's not the dichotomy of profitability versus sustainability, mm -hmm. or I have to take care of my resources, even though it's not as profitable. Mm -hmm. When you get that myth away, mm -hmm. I think in the US, you start seeing a lot of people saying, hey, this could be a really interesting business. So right. if I get it to circular economy business model, which are many, mm -hmm. uh, I can make a lot of money. And that's where you see, and, and you have the technology, right? So that's where you see, for example, well, you know, marketplaces, platforms yep. Yep. Uh, popping all over the place. Um, at least in, in paper, it makes business sense. Totally. Financial sense, right? Totally. I mean, obviously, you have to get to the point of you're big enough, but, um, but the technology is there to, to, mm -hmm. to scale, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and do you, do, you, do you think then looking at circularity, again, that's so you got circularity, you got kind of this carbon accounting and traceability of, of and then also just, you know, energy used to consume or produce something and then the sources of energy, mm -hmm. fairly simple buckets, right? Is there anything you see also that's a little bit out, that's not one of those that's also in the realm of sustainability? And I'm thinking, you know, for example, one that we don't talk a lot about, but in the realm of sustainability is the reemergence of nuclear power, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a it's an energy source, but it yeah. has it's almost some separate conversation where we have to kind of re-educate people on the power, the literal cleanliness of nuclear. Yep. And how much different it is today than it was from Three Mile Island, which still is the scar that everyone kind of holds on to. Oh, dirty nuclear. It's like, well, like yeah, that was almost 50 years ago now, and things have changed a lot. Yep. So nuclear is one of those ones that I think is kind of bubbling about. Anything else that's out there that you see? Because you've got a really unique view on this that's that's new, that, that most people haven't heard of. Well, I think no, not in terms of a new um, energy source but I guess how you use energy. So, for example, uh, lots of advancements in, in, for example, the smart grid. Okay, and lots right, of, right. Uh, research, and, and not just research, actual, uh, you know, projects around the smart grid or decentralized energy. Yep. Where you can be, you're a consumer, but you're also a producer and you can make money out of it. So you mm -hmm. can, you know, depending on uh, where you are, you can, consume and produce energy and mm -hmm. that opens the door to you know new markets new mm -hmm. marketplaces of uh, you know trading energy between you and your neighbor for example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's huge for example for the REITs the real estate investment trust for some of the portfolio of uh, buildings they have imagine if you can trade your energy yeah uh, in buildings or between portfolios of buildings mm -hmm. and I think the the big one is again storage Mm -hmm. Storage is going to be really a game changer. It's, it's being a real game changer. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. now you can, you know, it was like, okay, you produce solar, but how do you, <laughs> what happens at night? It was a typical question, right? <laughs> but that's, I think you're raising a point, and that's kind of why I asked the question. So and I hadn't even thought about it, but storage is a big deal because, you know, one of the things that we waste a lot of is energy. 
yep. whether it's in transmission or you know through non-use or to your point, now all of a sudden if I'm turning every home into both a consumer and a producer of energy through solar panels or wind or other energy things that I can produce in my local area. Yep. How am I storing that energy so I can feed it back into whether it's my neighbor or the grid itself? And well, school buses, for example. Yeah. Okay. School buses. Ninety percent of the of the time, school bus is idle. It's just right. sitting. So that could be a battery. I mean, right. there's already right. that. And you know, in the, in the jobs plan, in the infrastructure plan, there's a bucket for you know, um, bus uh, right. school buses, for example. Huh. So huh. you have batteries there. Interesting. That could be parked in their, you know, uh, power factories. Ab- absolutely. Well, let me, uh, ab- okay. And and I just looked at the clock here, and I realized an hour has come and gone already. Uh, so <laughs> so let me so, let me uh, kind of just be conscious of time a little bit here, and and in 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 respectful. So kind of you know it's kind of winding down a little bit, but now looking forward, like what are you looking coming out of the pandemic? It's twenty twenty one. Let's say we're moving to twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three kind of putting your forecasting hat on, what are you getting excited about from your view in the world of sustainability and or investing or both, right? Like what's, what's, what's over the next couple of years you really think the, the hot stuff? Well, I'm, I'm really, really excited about uh, the circular economy. Right. So I think that's just starting. I mean, do you see big companies getting in, into the, for example, the auto industry, the um, big uh players like Unilever and all those guys, Walmart, mm-hmm. the big guys of the world. Apple, for example, is, is really getting that, all the tech companies. So I think the circular economy is, is just starting and is going to be really, really big, especially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's gaining a lot of traction. And clean tech. So clean yes. tech, clean tech, anything that the definition of clean tech is, I mean, you could talk about clean energy or renewable mm-hmm. energy and everything mm-hmm. that, around that. Water is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that makes supply chains cleaner, if you will, mm-hmm. or more mm-hmm. transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clean tech is, is I think, uh, also going to be huge. Well, you touched on one that I also don't want to lose sight of because I think I'm going to put a footnote on this one and a big asterisk bold here is water consumption. You know, yep. We spend a lot of time talking about energy and carbon and greenhouse gas. But a, as big of an issue, quick water here is water, yeah. right? And fresh water, potable water, you know, wa- water for for crops or whatever. And I don't know if that has enough visibility right now. But that's a giant, gaping, seeming to me, exactly. issue in the sustainability world that that's not as prominent as say carbon. Yeah, it, it is. It doesn't have the visibility it should. I mean, you right. talk, for example, there's a lot around oceans, but it's more yep. about polluting the ocean with plastics right. and stuff like that. Um, so it's a, again, it goes back to plastics. Mm-hmm. But water, I think it's going to be massive. Right. Uh, you start seeing different, for example, regulations and laws changing around uh, the water in the U.S., for example, mm-hmm. starting to. Yep. So I think water is going to be massive uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, how you use technology to, you know, Manage water systems, uh, trade water, which is another market that's not, there's not a trading market for water, I mean, established. And and I think that could be really interesting with the right technologies. Absolutely. And and, and I would go, I mean, one that I'm I'm a little familiar with is like desalinization. Yeah. Uh, You know, as you know, some of the technologies to take existing water, i.e. salt water, 
and convert that into potable, you know, human or you know, animal-based consum- you know, water consumable, right? right. Um, Israel is doing amazing stuff around technology. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, this this has been as I knew it would be is you know fascinating conversation. Could keep on going, and but I you know I think there's just so much in here to unpack and go into. So you know, just want to thank you a lot for hanging out and chatting for a little bit, thank bringing you. your expertise in here, and you know we'll be doing more of this. But uh, you know, uh, uh, and I think I think also you hit on some just you know even coming towards the end here and talking about water is another one, right? Hadn't even really thought too much about that. And I hope people think about that, right? I mean, yeah. we get we get caught up in a lot of the enthusiasm around you know sustainability and carbon and you know green and all that sort of stuff and and yeah. over here is this water conversation like that's got we got to bring that up a little bit maybe yeah we, maybe we should do that maybe do a, like a short a small panel of uh, people that uh, from finland and canada which is yeah <laughs> the yeah totally the world totally absolutely absolutely but anyways thank you so much really appreciate it thanks, you know richard. have a wonderful time and uh, uh we'll be talking soon thanks richard my pleasure thank you take care bye This is Richard Donaldson. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments about the episode or topics in supply chain you'd like us to explore, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at supplychainnext at requis.com. And while you're at it, why not check out the Requis platform at supplychain.requis.com. Requis allows you to manage the full asset lifecycle in the cloud, collaborating with your entire value network to buy, manage, and sell your assets. Find out more at www.requis.com dot com.